You are listening to the Point Harbor Church Podcast. Experience a place where you can grow in your faith, connect with others, and discover the story God has for your life. For more resources, visit us online at pointharbor.com. Woo! All right. Well, uh, need a, um, we're going to do some writing today. We have handouts. If you need a handout, hold your hand up. Or did everybody get, okay, we got a few. Did you keep it up there? Dan's coming. All right. And, uh, okay, James over there. Keep him up, and you will be given a handout free of charge. All right. Turn in, <laughs> turn in your Bibles to where? Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 on page 1. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, there are the blue ones in the seat back somewhere in front of you, around you, and that is our free gift to you. Take it home, write your name in it, bring it back next Sunday, but that is page number one as well, okay? And we are in our new series uh, on the book of Genesis called Bedrock, and the foundations of my faith, my family, and my future. And so we're going to click through here. One second, is this thing working? Here we go. Come to me. Come to me. There we go. I don't know if you can read this or not, but if not, just you'll have to trust me by faith. This is the <laughs> six different days of creation, and we're going to read longer than we usually read, but it's chapter one on page one in your Bible. I'm in the ESV, uh, English Standard Version, and we go through the days. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was morning, the what? First day, day number one. In your Bible, if you'd like to, I put you know, things in the, in the margins there. I put in day one, and I go along there. Uh, so day two, God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And then God said, let waters, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let dry land appear. And it was so, God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw it was what? Good, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, Fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed according to each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, there was morning the third day. And then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. <clears throat> and then God set them in an expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw it was good. And there was evening, there was morning, the fourth day. And then God said, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves 
with which the waters swam according to their kinds, each winged or and every winged bird according to its kind. God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters in the seas, let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day, and then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that's on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens Everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Yeah, so that's the, the Genesis account. And then he rehashes it in chapter 2, which we'll look at in a few weeks. But uh, now, you say, somebody says here, uh, well, John, I believe that God... Uh, created the universe, but I believe that God, you know, I'm kind of scientific. I believe that he used evolution to do it. Those days, the, you know, day one, two, three, four, five, six, those are really ages, John. Those are really ages. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. We're not going to delve into it real deep, but the day-age theory doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Because on day, what is it, two, you have the land, sea, and plants, and if it's an age or an eon, thousands, millions of years till day three, one, two, three, four, you have the sun. Then plants are going to do real poorly without the sun for a thousand or a million years. Yeah? So see, that day-age theory stuff doesn't work. And, and you can write this down. Accommodation theories. Accommodation theories. Because that's what some of you believe. I love you, but you believe in, in the accommodation theory or theories. What is an accommodation theory? Here's what you're trying to do. You're trying to take what you've been taught about the Bible and mesh it with what you've been taught in science class or biology class or whatever. And, and you're trying to bring the two together. That's what day-age theory is. And there's other ones out there. Because we're human. We don't want to be uh, seen as uneducated Bible thumpers, right? I mean, we want people to think highly of us and not talk about us. So, and, and that's what these accommodation theories are. And there's a bunch of them out there uh, that we don't have time to go into. And, and today I want you to, get, I, I want to give you something that, that will crystallize it, I, I hope, in your mind, if you believe in God, if you believe God, all right, and God's Word. Robin, and, and this is important, teaching this to your kids is important. Robin had a song, that, a little song she made up about, uh, the, for our kids and about creation. And I, <laughs> I asked her, I said, hey, can I get you to come up here on the stage and sing that? And she said, absolutely not. <laughs> and I said, well, what if I just, you know, kind of, while I'm preaching, point you out and say, hey, baby, come on up here. And she said, then everybody will watch me go out the door. <laughs> so I'll have to sing it for you, okay? 
And it was basically a little ditty like this. It's day one, day one, God made light when day was done. Day two, day two, God made heaven for me and you. Day three, day three, God made plants and flowers and trees. Day four, day four, kind of has a, a, a rhythm. God made the uh, sun and moon and stars galore. Day five, day five, God made fish and fowl alive. Day six, day six, God made animals and man. Now, yeah. Yes. So you're like, okay, well, you know, she sang it to the kids. Did it work? Do your kids believe? Every single one of my kids believes the Bible story of creation. So I'm not saying that was the only reason, but, uh, you know, you teach your kids. You are the biggest influence in your kids' lives, even though some of you don't know that. You are. And, and so uh, if you don't teach them the Word of God, it is, it is more incumbent on you, parents, to teach your kids the Word of God than it is the, the, ch- the children's ministry workers and the youth workers. Because they, they pay more attention to you, and they see what you're living and what you're believing. Hopefully they do. Hopefully you're seeing, or that you're living and believing rightly. And you might go, well, John, uh, let me tell you what I believe. And, and let me just say, <laughs> uh, kindly and gently, people believe all kind of things, especially about this. And, but, you know, all kind of things across the board. And some of them are, you know, true, provably true, and some of them are whacked. And some folks, you know, false beliefs. Are they, they're false, but they're mainly harmless and innocuous. Now, I believe something that is entirely true, and uh, it, that is this. In the, in, the, in the kingdom of pies, the best pie in the world, in the universe, is rhubarb pie. Amen. Can I get a witness? Yes. Thank you, lady from London. Anybody else? Nobody else? All right. So, all right. Yes. All right, Chad. All right. Three of us in this room are going to heaven. The rest of you, I'm sorry. No, but if you're, see, that's a northern, typically northern, and I guess they have it in England too, a northern, you know, type of thing that y'all southerners can't grow. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Now, I didn't, you know, when I came down here, a close second, southerners, is pecan pie. I had never, pecan, pecan pie, devotees, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'd never had it because it's not really a northern thing, at least in my neck of the woods. I came down here and and uh, I was at my wife's house, and her mama said, uh, have some pecan pie. And I'm like, ugh, looks grody. And I took one bite of it, and I said, oh, life has changed. <laughs> life has changed. Still not as good as rhubarb, but right underneath it, right underneath it, all right? So now that's a belief, you know, that I have. And even though you might disagree totally, it doesn't, you know, hurt anybody. But there are other beliefs. If you get them wrong, then it can be damaging to your life or even lethal to your soul. And you're like, all right, John, come on, you know, it doesn't matter a hill of beans, you know, what I believe about the origin of the species. I mean, if folks want to believe in evolution, what's the big deal? Because we're here, right? We're here. Let's move on to more pressing matters. But you couldn't be more wrong. You couldn't be more wrong. What I believe about how all of this came into existence will radically impact how I act in my existence. It will. The, the first verse in the Bible lays it out. The first verse. In the beginning, Who? God, what God do? He created the heavens and the earth. And then, kind of pinging off of that, the Apostles' Creed, the boys that put that together from the Word of God, the first thing out the gate, the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. They believed it was that important. It was that you know, crucial and critical. So, because they are. They are. They, look at this. My life, and I think I have a blank for you on your sheet, is the outflow of my theology. My life is the outflow of my theology. It is. 
What do you mean, John? Well, theology, you're like, I don't even have a theology. Yes, you do. Theology is just what you believe about God. Now, some of you, you, you know, you don't believe much about him, uh, it, but, you know, you, you, we all have a theology. Either there's no God or there's a God that's disinterested, he's over there and he doesn't pay much attention to us, or there's a God that is sovereign over all. And so what you believe about God is going to impact your life. It can't help but. And so I'm building, if, if I'm building my life on lies, it will adversely affect not only me, but everybody around me and the people that I say I love. In John 8, 32, you will know the what? The truth. What does the truth do in your life? It sets you free. It will set you free. Truth sets you free. So a lie, conversely, does what? It binds you up. It binds you up. I'm bound. And so this is of ultimate importance. So look at this. I want you to write this down. I think I've got blanks here, too, on your sheet. Who I'm believing equals who I'm pleasing. Who I'm believing equals who I'm pleasing. And so somebody has pushback. They're like, well, are you saying I believe in evolution, and if I believe in evolution, uh, that's going to send me to hell? (laughs) Here's what I believe, all right, about that. Going to heaven takes what? The gospel. What is the gospel? Death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel is not just good works. The gospel is not just being nice to your neighbor. The gospel is specifically the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. I don't get to heaven except in any other way than through the gospel and through believing on Jesus. And so, you know, you can get to heaven. And in heaven, here's what's going to happen in heaven. A lot of us, let me rephrase, all of us are going to get our theology fixed where we were screwed up. We are, because not one of you, and not me either, has it all together. Now, hopefully, I've got the, the big ones together, all right? Now, there might be some things on prophecy, I'm sure, that God's going to go, man, you are way off on that thing. And I'm like, well, Lord, you said, no, you're an idiot. So, uh, you know, we're all going to be <laughs> straightened out on our theology when we get to it. The Bible says, when I see him, I, I will be like him, and I will know him as he is. So, who I'm believing equals who I'm pleasing and, and uh, in order to get to heaven, you need to trust Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I had a guy in my office a while back, and I wasn't sure he'd ever trusted Christ, so I didn't start talking to him about evolution, creationism. That was, that's not where you start. And, and I, I said, hey, you know, have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? He goes, what does it even mean? So I went through the gospel, the death of Christ, the burial of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, that we need to trust Christ personally as our Lord and Savior. And he said to me, he said, well, I'm not even sure that Jesus is God. I'm like, well, that's a sticking point then. You know, that's, uh, yeah, we can't go any further on that uh, until you do. In, in John 16, he says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he this is the Holy Spirit, will guide you into how much truth? All truth. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. So the Spirit of God takes the Word of God. The problem with Christians, many of us, is that we aren't much in the Word of God. We just want it downloaded, you know, uh, streamed to our consciousness. He says, no, I want you to get in the Word of God, and then the Spirit of God will reveal to you the truth of God. He will re- 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 guide you into all truth. That's huge, but that takes me getting in his word. Amen? So who I'm believing equals who I'm pleasing. And some of us aren't pleasing God on this thing, on this vital, vital foundational truth. And, and we're failing, I think, a lot of times as believers, as, as churches, because the, the foundational issue is at the heart. And we, a lot of times, attack symptoms. 
Here's a, something I came across years ago, put it in my file, and then it, I had uh, Jessica fixed it up for me a little bit better. But here's, the, here's believers, here's the church. Our foundation is, is creation, God's word is truth. The evolutionist here, that humanism rises out of evolution, man decides what truth is, and the problem is we are shooting at the wrong things. We're shooting at things like, oh, I don't know, politics. All right, preferences. I don't drink. I drink preferences, right? Uh, what else? Even, even, don't get mad at me, but abortion. Now, is, is abortion something that we ought to preach? Yes, and, and, and I do. But abortion comes from a foundation, from a heart issue, and that basically is built on the foundation of evolution. Here's the thing, though. Satan knows he doesn't try to attack us on peripheral things. He goes right at the heart. He tries to hit us in creation. He does it in schools. He does it in, in some churches. He does it in some of your homes. And he, if he can weaken that, he can weaken us. It's a foundational huge issue. And, and here's why it's important, because belief systems have consequences. William Lane Craig explained it this way. Beliefs about God often influence positions on important and controversial issues, such as sexual behavior, abortion, medical research using stem cells. Many decisions in daily life, not just on Sunday, also depend on belief or disbelief in God. So good beliefs have good consequences. Bad beliefs have what? Bad beliefs have what? Bad consequences. Darwin's conclusions led him to lose his faith, whatever kind of faith that was he had. And and philosopher uh, uh, Daniel Dennett approvingly speaks of Darwinism as a universal acid that corrodes traditional spirituality. He was very right. He was very right. Because they're hitting at the heart. They're hitting at the foundational thing when when they teach or believe in evolution. So what's right? What is truth? If you're like me, you're just so busy simple, simply living that you don't have time or the inclination to study anymore in biology or, or paleontology. I, I, when I was at Liberty University, and I had come from a Bible college, and in the Bible college, you didn't have to have, you know, all of the liberal arts college stuff. And so I never had biology. Well, when I transferred into Liberty, they're a liberal arts college, and I had to take algebra after being out of school, actually dropping out of high school, and then going in the Navy, and getting my GED, and then, uh, you know, all those years, algebra. And then they said, you also have to have uh, biology. I'm like, dear God in heaven. And my biology professor was, I lie not, over at Liberty, Liberty University, you know, the most boring professor in God's earth. I'm not lying. He just read out of the textbook. I'm like, oh, please, please, God, get me through. I, I sailed through with a D minus, but I graduated. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, you know what they call a doctor who graduates at the bottom of his class? Doctor. Yes. Thank you. So, <laughs> so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, uh, uh, give you this this uh, deep discussion of cells and protons and all that stuff. <clears throat> now you're like, well, John, you know, you just admitted you ain't that smart. And, I, 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 you know, most uh, educated scientists who have bigger degrees than you do, they believe in evolution. So I'm going to believe them, I think, before I believe you. A lot of scientists are coming around. They are. And some of them are, you know, they aren't going all, a lot of them aren't going all the way. They, they take a half measure. All right. 
What is the half measure? Intelligent design. And so what they say is, well, you know, there's a whole lot of evidence that this thing was designed by somebody who was intelligent. <laughs> but I don't want to go all the way to say it was God, but there, you know, it just couldn't have poofed into existence. Some of them are at least honest enough to, to say that. So, but I'm not asking you to believe me. I'm asking you as a believer to believe God. Amen? And what he says, John, I just followed the science. Oh, shut up. Follow the <laughs> science. I shouldn't say that. I'm sorry. I take that back. Science does not equal God. It does not. But you, 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 you see how it kind of comes down. I don't know if you've ever paid attention. They say, you need to believe the science. You need to follow the science. You need to obey the science. Reminds me of a song. I have decided to follow science. I have decided. That's a faith system. It is a faith system. And I'm not anti-science. All right? Don't hear me saying I'm anti-science. I'm not. But science isn't God. Science is not God. Science changes. Have you noticed? That's its nature. These last two years, what'd they say? Trust the science. I'd love to if you would not keep changing it every week. And I'm going to make you mad, but that's all right. You need to. <laughs> you don't know what to say. These last, what, three years? First we heard, oh, it's that virus over there in China. It's over there. Nothing to worry about at all. Nothing to worry about at all. Just a little flu. You know, you, you got less than 1% chance of diet, which was tracked through the whole thing. And then they said, well, we, we need to be a little bit concerned. And then Dr. Fauci, who some of you hold them here, he said, he was interviewed, said, now, now, it's over, overkill to wear a mask. Masks are proven not to really have efficacy. And then about three weeks later, he's like, you need a mask. And then like another month later, he's like, you need two masks. What is it? What is it? Follow the science. I'd love to. But it wouldn't keep changing. They just came out with a study, and I, I don't have it totally in my mind, but I, I was listening to it, some, some whatever on, on uh, the news, and that, that came out a big study, the biggest study ever that shows, all right, now I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm really not trying to be political. I'm trying to help you with science here. Science isn't God. That shows, according to this scientific study, that all these lockdowns did almost nothing to help and actually hurt. And masks have almost no efficacy unless certain situations that are N95s that are changed uh, like, what, every three, four hours and, and, and fitted tightly. So... The science, though, man. One time, Fauci, you can tell I'm not a big lover. Um, he called himself the science. I am the science. <laughs> you ain't Jesus, Mr. Fauci. So, all right. Send those emails to Pastor Dan at pointharbor.com. <laughs> <laughs> now, all right. But follow the science. John, I follow the science. Well, then you're pretty confused. And again, I, I'm for science. 
I love coffee. Love coffee. And for a while, I was following the science. Because they're like, yeah, it's good to have coffee. Coffee's good for you. A couple of cups, three cups a day is really good for you. And then, you know, a couple months later, coffee's going to kill you. It's going to kill you dead. This last week, something I, another thing I love, perfect food. It was called the perfect food, eggs. Eggs is like the perfect nutritional food. This last week, eggs cause blood clots. <laughs> what? How did that, where did that come from? George Washington, the father of our country. George. Guess what they, he got sick. They said, you know what you need, George? Leeches. Because you got too much bad blood. And so we're going to put these leeches on you to get rid of some of your bad blood. Because we are following the science. <laughs> that was the science of the day. Guess what? They killed George. They killed old George. And if George would have just understand the word of God, or those doctors would have, the Bible says the life is in the blood. God, <laughs> a long time before George was around. So the science was wrong. The science can be wrong. The science can be bad. God never changes. I'm not asking you to follow science so-called. I'm asking you to believe God. To believe God. And so what I'm going to do is, is give you some supporting evidence for your faith. Because we say, most of us in here say we're believers. But some of us aren't, at least at certain levels. And, and, and I want to give it to you for those times, those inevitable times when you get ambushed by somebody that's trying to make a point or trying to shame you because you're, you believe in creationism. Or, or when you honestly get asked about it. And sometimes we do. He says, and he presumes it in First Peter. He says, so don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Some of you Christians need to memorize that. Because your Facebook is anything but. You're trying to make I would agree with you probably in your points. You're trying to make these points. And you're trying to defend the word of God. And you're doing it hatefully. So you might want to circle that and put it on a tattoo. All right? So if you listen today, hopefully we'll have some fun. Some of you won't have fun, but the rest of us will. And, and, and I'm going to provide you what I believe are the top four memorable arguments for creationism. And it's important. It is important. It's stuff that any semi-objective person would at least have to stop and go, hmm, never thought of that, never thought of that. Ready? So you Ready? Uh, ready? You all need to be ready. Or, okay. All right. So here's somebody scenario. Somebody comes up to you and says, how can you not believe in evolution? And their implication is, you big idiot. Your first answer. And this is huge. I do believe in evolution, just not the silly kind. I do believe in evolution. John, you say, I thought you don't believe in evolution. I do believe in evolution, just not the silly kind. Well, what in the world are you talking about? There are two kinds of evolution, so-called. Microevolution versus macroevolution. Small versus large. Whenever you hear somebody say that there's proof for evolution, they're always talking about microevolution, which I believe. What do you mean? What do you mean? All right, microevolution, micro, small, changes that occur within species has been observed. Macroevolution, large, Changes which result in new species has never been observed. Never. Not at all. Micro versus macro. 
What do you mean, John? I, I, I don't quite understand where you're going with this. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, so God was the creator, and here's how he designed them further on down in Genesis 1. Let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of what? The same kind. It's written into the DNA, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground and wild animals. And that's what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. That's, so it's, it's, there, there are different types of, say, horses. Some of you are horse lovers. And there's all these different types of horses, and God just created, you know, the first horse, and the horses, and, and then all these came because it was in the DNA. You could call it adaptation or whatever. That's microevolution. Dogs, some of you are dog lovers. There are all these different kinds of dogs. We have one right now, Johnny's, that looks like this crazy animal here. That if Johnny doesn't pick it up, he's going to die. <laughs> I tease, I tease. Murphy, he's, he's a credit to his species. So, it, all dogs, all horses have micro-evolved, all right? They, they, within the species, all these changes, all these adaptations, but, but they micro-evolved. It, it, but no matter how long you, you give them, give them a billion years, dog plus dog plus dog does not equal cat. It doesn't. And never will. God has included dog DNA, in dog DNA, specific limiters. He promised. In, in, you either believe the word of God or you don't. So that's microevolution. I believe in that. It, it happens within the species. And, and there's proof for that. Just not on the macro side. One thing evolving into a totally different species of creature. So that's the first one. All right. Now this next one. This is huge. Number two, aren't you guys missing something? Aren't you missing something? What do you mean? You know what I mean. Missing links. Missing links. Years ago, I love these guys, the, Di- the Geico dudes, right? They were kind of the, the, the <laughs> missing link. <laughs> and if evolution is true, all right, if evolution is true, there should honestly be millions or billions of these transitional fossils in the fossil record. There should be an overwhelming array of fossil evidences of, of transitory or transitional creatures. And, and billions of dis, uh, fossils have been discovered all over, over, over the world. It, you know, you've got fossils of ocean fish and mussels and even a whale that was up in a mountain, <laughs> a whale fossil. How did it get there? We'll talk about that later. But in the British Museum, they have a million fossils in there, in, the, in this one huge museum, over a million fossils. And you know how many transitional fossils they have between one type of animal and another? Zero. Zip. Zilch. Nada. Not one. Not one. So what does that tell you? It ought to tell you something. It, it, and, and don't say, well, John, you know, how about the, how about the Piltdown Man? That was a disproven... You know, it was a hoax. It was a proven hoax. This dude found a jawbone, and then he bleached it and bleached it and bleached it, and then the scientific world, for the most part, jumped on because they're looking for something that would prove their theory. They're looking so hard. Java Man. Java Man was a, a, uh, a gibbon monkey skull, and then this dude who wanted to prove evolution found the monkey skull, and then he found 50 feet away, a human leg bone, so we put them together, 
and told everybody that he found them together. And they're like, oh, look at that proves evolution. And then right before he died, he confessed, all right, I, I lied. Nebraska man, Nebraska man is hilarious to me. They constructed this whole thing out of a tooth, out of a tooth. And then come to find out it was a tooth of a pig. So, you know, all these things, hoax they can't find. They, they desperately, desperately want to find one, you know, fossil that's going to prove a transitional uh, creature. And they can't. Jay Gould, who is an avowed evolutionist, admits the lack of these is, his words, the trade secret of paleontology and that it has been a persistent and nagging problem for gradualistic accounts of evolution. Do you think? <laughs> Do you think, Steve? But John, in, in, in school, we learned about Areopteryx. I can't say that word, but this bird. We learned about this bird, and look, he's got teeth, and he's got claws, and he's, and he's like a transitional creature. No, he's just, there were, there were birds, scientists admit this, there were birds way before this dude. This guy isn't a transitional bird, he's just a cool bird. It's an awesome bird. He's a bird that nobody wants to mess around with, that has, you know, died out, gone the way of the dinosaur. Wasn't a new, wasn't a new uh, transitional thing. So, if evolution were true, the missing link should be the rule, not the exception, all right? Now, for those of you who are visual learners, I have props. All right. Look at this. What is this? Hmm? It's primordial soup. All right. And then from there, millions and millions, billions of years, monkey. And then from there, millions and millions and millions and millions and billions of years, caveman. And then from there, millions and millions and millions and millions of years, man cave. <laughs> now, there ought to be, with these billions of years in between, when something supposedly got together with some cells in the primordial soup of the universe and crawled up on dry land and its little flippers turned into feet. And then its feet, you know, turned into got a vertebrae and it comes over here and then millions and millions and millions and billions and billions of years, poof, turns into a monkey. Like, whoo, whoo, whoo. Then, so he's not done. This monkey is not done. So millions and millions and millions of years, he's, you know, starts acting less and less monkeyish and more and more humanish. And so he's kind of some semi-human. He's a caveman, Neanderthal man. And then, millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of years, he's your lazy husband. <laughs> now, but there's a problem. With all these millions and billions of years, there's no evidence. And there's no evidence, and there's no evidence, no evidence at all of transitory fossils. And that's the evolutionist's embarrassment. In the court of law, you know what that's called? No proof. No proof. An argument from silence. So, there you go. That's for you visual learners. You can thank me later. Here's another one. Somebody, somebody proudly declares, well, I believe in evolution. Here's what you say to them. This is awesome. I like this. I like to do this. Wow. That's amazing. You have more faith than I do. They're like, what? Well, what do you mean I have more faith than you do? And I say, I believe my, in, in my religion with its many evidences. I got 
fulfill prophecy. I got prophecy, you know, that predicted things, and we can see that it was hundreds of years before it actually happened. It happened so specifically. I got all these things. I got geological proofs. I have all these things, you know, of them finding different things they said were, weren't true in the book of Genesis, Exodus, and then they did a, K, a dig, and they found all this proof, you know, that, that guy really was there at that time. I got all these proofs. And, and you believe in your religion without any evidences because you got nothing. No, it's not a religion, man. It's science. No, it's a religion. It's, it's a faith system. Except your priests wear white robes instead of black ones. You genuflect toward Oxford and Cambridge. Your holy men are Darwin and Dawkins and Gould. You, you even have statements of faith, creeds. Here's one guy's statement of faith. Given enough time... And changing ever environmental conditions, mutation will add to mutation, and any species will gradually change into one or more new species. And if you've heard that, you should say, okay, where's your proof? And, and the evolutionist will probably point you to a Darwin's moth, and they're like, yeah, see, there's a change. Was white, now black. And you're like, cool, that's microevolution. I believe that. I believe in Darwin's moth. Sure. His change, adaptation within a species. Awesome. We're on the same page. Well, that's not what I mean. Well, okay. All right. The, it, now show me a fossil between the moth and a bird, and it'll walk away and probably call you names. So, all right. Now, last one. You're at work, and this is the biggest one. And a coworker's going on and on about how, you know, no intelligent person could believe in creationism. And this is, this is honestly the creme de la creme. This is the sine qua non, which is a Latin phrase for the biggie, or the idea grande. All right? Number four, are you calling Jesus a liar? Because that's what you're doing. When you say that creationism isn't true and evolution is true, at any level, you're calling Jesus a liar. What do you mean calling Jesus a liar? Jesus in Mark said in the beginning, at, at the time of creation, God made them male and female, as the scripture says. And now some people go, well, you know, he was just using an analogy to teach a spiritual truth. Or he was, you know, his congregation or his crowd, those people around him, they were kind of ignorant. They were superstitious. So he had to, you know, talk in the way they were understanding. And so you're saying that Jesus lied to him to teach him spiritual truth is what you're saying. And, and my Savior is not a liar. Now, you're like, well, John, you know, I, now get this, get this, get this. It, Jesus d didn't just get this from hearsay or tradition, what he's saying about the beginning in the time of creation, God made them male and female. He happened to be there. He was there. This is huge. If you get nothing else, get this. John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning, the Word, and when he's talking about the Word, he's talking about Jesus, you'll see in a second, already existed. It's eternal. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, through Jesus. God created everything that we see through Jesus, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. So the word became human and made his home among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And so what he's saying is, hey, Jesus wasn't just passing on stuff he learned from his Jewish forefathers' tradition. Jesus is talking about something he saw because he was there and he was doing it. And that, while, you're, while you're dealing with that, Colossians 1 is maybe even more specific. 
Christ is the, the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Through him, through Christ, he made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. And one day he's just going to go, poop, and have a new heaven and a new earth. This is core. This is core. Jesus said of himself, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Either he is or he isn't. Either he's telling truth or he's not a truth teller. Either he was there or he wasn't. And if he's wrong on creation, then he's wrong on salvation. And we're all going to hell. We can't have it both ways, folks. We can't. I am a creationist, a young earther. I am a young earther creationist because my Savior is a young earther creationist. More than that, he's the creator. He was there. I wasn't there. You weren't there. Stephen Hawking wasn't there. Jesus was there. And some of you have not been believing in him. You haven't. And you need to repent of that. And so you say, Lord, I don't understand it. But you don't change. Science changes, but you don't change. And in your word, you said you were there. And you did it. You spoke it into existence. And I don't understand that, but I don't have to understand that. Remember, the Bible says, God in the Old Testament says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts higher than your, your thoughts. If you had a God you could explain, your God is pretty small. Amen? So, John White is been so many smart people. Stephen Hawking is brilliant. These other people, why do, they, why do they believe this lock, stock, and barrel? Because they fell. Romans 1 anticipates the question. He's talking about the fall on humanity. They know the truth about God because he made it obvious to them. How did he make it obvious? For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him. Here's, how, here's the downward spiral. They wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. As a result, their minds became what? Dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they became utter fools. That's, that's, he's talking about scientists here too, unless they believe in God. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself. And you see this a lot. All these folks who are super concerned. Now, I think we ought to be a good steward of the earth and the world. But this worship of it is unbiblical. You are serving the thing created more than you are the creator who is worthy of eternal praise. So since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, here's what he did. He's like, okay, fine, see ya. He abandoned them to their foolish thinking. They refused to understand. Worse yet, they encouraged others to follow them too. And that's where they're at. And you see this all over the place. And you see in a lot of institutions of higher learning. Some of your kids are learning all this from people that he's talking about. Man fell. He lives under the, uh, the aggressive intimidation of man, the abject fear of judgment of God, and the covert manipulation of Satan. And, and so that's where he's at. And, and that's the results. But, folks, if there's a design, then there's a what? A designer. If there's a designer, there's a God. And if there's a God, there's an accountability. 
And so Satan has, through his minions and his philosophies, done all he can do to keep people's eyes off of God, explain God away, shoots at our foundations, because Satan is into destruction. Creationism's fruit is the worship of God, accountability to God, and respect for the sacredness of human life. Christians, by and large, were the ones that, that, that you know, pushed the hospitals and medicines and orphanages in the early days, and, and the end of slavery, first over in uh, 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 Britain and, and then here, that was pushed and driven to large part by Christians who got in the Word of God and said, you know what, God created us equal, and there's one race, and this stuff's got to stop. Evolutionism's fruit is the worship, there's worship of self. No accountability because there's no God. Disregard for the sacredness of human life. That's the fruits of evolution. And so you get folks going to make you mad maybe, but Margaret Sanger, the one who was the head and developed Planned Parenthood, hated people of color. You Google it. Said some horrible things. And was basically trying to use... Planned Parenthood and eugenics to weed out the, what she said, were inferior races. That's where Planned Parenthood comes from, Margaret Sanger. They've kind of tried to distance themselves a little bit or whitewash it, but Margaret Sanger, what was it? It was built on, on her understanding, her belief that there is no God, really. It's just, you know, the, the, uh, the survival of the fittest. Hitler did it to the Jews. Stalin, Mao, they all had these philosophies. They were just, they were being consistent with their belief system. Not make excuses for them, they're all evil. But they had a belief system that they, they enacted or they acted on. And the end result of evolution is survival of the fittest. And the end result of survival of the fittest is war, abortion, euthanasia, racism. That's what it is. It all springs out of a foundation, not, the word of, not on the Word of God, but on evolutionary theory. Now listen, look at this, and we end here. And I, I want you to really get this, because some of you have not been pleasing God in this area, which is so important. It's not just a little side thing. This is foundational. This is God's Word. This is where His Word starts. This is what we build our lives on. Because if we don't, if your kids don't understand that they have a foundation that God is the creator and he has, he's the designer and they're not just an accident, but they are, they were, there's a purpose for their lives, then your kids are going to be less likely to pull out a gun and shoot themselves. But if it's just random, if there's no real purpose, if they were just an accident of the cosmos, then what's, what's worth living? If there's no hell or to, to shun or heaven to gain then I'm, I'm living in pain. I'm living, you know, in sadness. My friends are, you know, saying bad things about me on Facebook. I'm just going to end it all. Where does that come from? A, a corrupt foundation. That's where it comes from. And so your kids, your grandkids are greatly impacted by their belief and your belief on this. Hebrews 11, and we're done. And I love this, and it's pretty in your face. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see, and then he just jumps into it. By faith, by what? By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. He spoke it into existence. 
that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. We talked about this last week, ex nihilo, which means out of nothing, something from nothing. And it's impossible. And look at this. So he's going along there. He says that. He says, and it is impossible. It's not it's hard. It's impossible to please God without what? Faith. He's just got done talking about creationism. And then he says, I want you to know something. It's going to take faith for you to believe that. And it's impossible to, to please God without that. And I don't know about you, but I want to please God, right? I want God to be pleased with me. I don't understand everything, you know? I, I have questions that I'll ask God when I see him. Probably won't because I'll just be so amazed at his glory. I'll just forget all those stupid questions. <laughs> but it matters a ton what your personal belief is and how we got here. Disbelieve that God is the unique creator, you displease him. Believe that he made the entire universe, you glorify him, you please him. The people make fun of me, John. <laughs> they made fun of Noah. We're going to look at that in a few weeks. Made fun of Isaiah, cut him in half. Made fun of Paul, chopped his head off. Made fun of Jesus, crucified him on a cross. It comes with the Jesus follower territory. Whom I'm believing is who I'm pleasing. So who are you going to please? Who are you pleasing? Some of you need to get it right. You need to just say, Lord, I have been squishy on this. I have been squishy. And I want to, I don't understand it totally. I don't, get, I don't want to get persecuted, you know, by people who think I'm a Bible thumper. But I'm going to start believing and teaching my kids and my grandkids that you created this whole thing. God, I pray that you will help us to really be believers. Believers in the micro sense of specifics and the macro sense of the whole of the Word of God. And I pray that you would, Lord, work on hearts. Because there's a bunch of folks here today and maybe online that they would call themselves believers, but right here they're not. They've been maybe doing accommodation theories, trying to make both of them kind of squish together. Or maybe they believe in full-blown evolution and don't see the big issue. But, Lord, the issue is if evolution is true, you're a liar, and we're in trouble. So, Lord, I don't understand how you did it, but I believe you did it. I believe you did it in six days, six literal days. Because you are God. You are God. And as God, you can do whatever you want. Do it amazingly well. Thank you that you did it. Lord, I pray for our hearts, sometimes our disbelieving hearts. Lord, help us to increase our faith. And one way to do that, you said, is, to, is by the hearing of the Word of God, getting in the Word of God, Lord. So help us to do that and believe what you've said. In Jesus' precious name, all God's folks said. <laughs>